Once again, I have to eat crow, and it's yummy today on The Grid. The Grid, a digital frontier of freedom. It's our platform where we talk about faith, politics, and commerce, where we analyze current events from biblical and common sense perspectives. I'm so glad you knocked. The door is open, and we have answered. Come on in and welcome to The Grid. Welcome believers, patriots, friends, and family. I'm Chris Coleman, the founder and CEO of the Kingdom Patriot Group. I wanted to thank you for joining us today on The Grid, our flagship podcast production. But before we jump into today's topic, let's first talk about the news in review. Even though I'm remote this week, I'm always close to the news so that I can report on all the important things that I know will have an impact on you. And in this week, while the quantity of news is maybe not what it's been in the past, certainly the impact and the importance of what is in the news is as important as anything that we've seen. So I'm just going to take a shot at a couple of these stories. Mike Johnson continues to impress me. You know, the GOP um, new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, he is proposing aid to Ukraine, which is what the Democrats want, right? Well, he's tying it in a bill to also securing our border. And he is saying, and I'm, I'm quoting here, that we should be taking care of our own border first before we help other countries take care of their own. The Democrats are raving mad, and they're talking about extremist Republican policies and extremist Republican immigration laws and regs and approaches to that. And I'm like, yeah, he, he is extreme. He wants to actually make people come over here legally and have to come through the the, the uh, appropriate process and be processed the right way, put up a border, you know, all those things that are really, really radical. No, I think, Mike Johnson, you got it right, and you keep going. Thank you so much for what you are doing. I also saw in political news that Trump leads Biden in five of six battleground states. Now, that's important. We often hear about these national polls, and you hear about you know, this person's ahead by this person, registered voters likely, but, you know, none of that really matters. What really matters is the battleground states. When you talk about Wisconsin and Ohio and Pennsylvania and Florida, you know, these battleground states, that's all that really matters because California is always going to vote Democrat, along with New York, Washington, Oregon. But then you also have some of the same red states as well, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas. You're going to see the same in those. It's these battleground states that have the greatest impact on national elections. And now we're seeing that Trump is leading Biden in five of six. And now I can't understand why it's taken this long, because I think Biden has proved from day one that he was a failure right out of the gate. He's pretty much the perfect example of failing upward, in my opinion. He fails at everything he does, so he just keeps getting higher and higher positions in our country. What's really, maybe not ironic is the right word, but certainly interesting about this is we could have two individuals who are both campaigning from jail. I hope that's at least not the case with Trump, but that's literally how it seems we are shaping up. Anyway, more to come on that, but that was an interesting, uh, interesting development in the polls. I saw that Obama's back in the news. Whenever there is crisis, either domestically or on the net, either on the national stage or the world stage, Obama cannot seem to keep himself out of the news. And sure enough, he was at it again this past week talking about now, I'm reading between the lines, but really what he was saying was is that Hamas had no choice to do what they did 
because of Israeli occupation. Now, when he says that, what he's really saying is, this is not Hamas's fault, it's Israel's fault. And he'll throw in platitudes in there, not platitudes, but he'll throw in there things like, well, yeah, Hamas should not have resorted to this. This is horrible, killing women and children and those things. Yeah, I get that. But at the core of it, he's saying they shouldn't have resorted to that level of violence, but it's still Israel's fault. That's what he's saying. This is just driving me crazy, folks. We covered this in recent podcasts about this is not an occupation issue. This is not a territorial dispute. This is about one group of people because of spiritual influence that they don't even realize is literally hell-bent on the destruction and annihilation of another people group, the Jews, who are God's chosen people, who are God's chosen people. And as long as you have that mindset, this whole idea of territorial dispute is nothing more than just noise. It reminds me that the end times is coming. And folks, speaking of end times, let's talk about artificial intelligence for a minute. And I'm bringing this up for a specific reason, and I'll share that in just a minute. But there's a couple things that I want to hone in. The first is a company named Mika, M-I-K-A. They're a ROM and spirits company. They just appointed, which I think is the first artificial intelligence robot CEO. Now, it's hard to tell from the reports if this individual or this, look, I'm calling him an individual, if this robot is actually making decisions or if it's just the face of the company. They, they definitely said it's the face, but they also said that the CEO could make decisions that were data-driven because of its ability to accumulate information and process information faster than a human. So it seems like to me that's the case, which is absolutely mind-boggling. Seems like to me, if this is if this CEO really is AI, artificial intelligence robot, it seems like the very first thing that they should do, or it should do, is determine that they're spending too much time on artificial intelligence and robot CEOs and can the CEO. But we'll see if that really happens. But the other thing that's happening with artificial intelligence has to do with church services. Now, I didn't realize this has gained the momentum it has. But in Germany, back in June, there was actually a church service that was held that was completely AI developed, presented by AI, ChatGPT prepared the sermon. It was truly an artificial intelligence sermon. And then most recently here, just in the last several weeks, Austin, Texas, uh, in North Austin, the same thing happened. And I started thinking about that. And I was like, how does this tie to the end, end times? Well, this is what really came to my mind is the fact that we know that artificial intelligence, we know that ChatGPT, we knew all of these things, they're still not intelligent life. They're only good as the input and learning that they're provided. And we also know by research that this is predominantly left-wing and liberal. So you've got these Jesus AI and these different sites where people are trying to get answers, where they ask questions. And I'm sure some of the basic questions are probably pretty accurate. But at the end of the day, the people that control the AI, the people that control this, are not Christians. They're not people who have a vested interest in presenting truth to God's people. And so I, I asked myself, well, how does, this, how does this tie into the end times? And here's how I think it ties. This is going to be wrought with the ability to manipulate and to influence. And therefore, it is the gateway to deception. And we're, we talk about, we've read in Revelation, we're told not to be deceived, that, that it'll be very difficult, that deception will abound. Well, this seems like a perfect opportunity for deception to take a foothold and to gain roots, if you will, in the hearts of men and the hearts of people, is that you've got artificial intelligence. I mean, after all, 
what has been sort of this growing moniker over the last two decades? Well, I read it on the internet. It must be true. Are we just a few short years away from someone saying, well, I learned it from artificial intelligence. It must be fact. That is a huge concern of mine. And so we got to look out for that. We got to look out for deception. We have to encourage one another. We have to talk about this. We got to make sure that we are hearing truth. Now, the last thing I wanted to cover is just you cannot go a week without without Sheila Jackson Lee in a profanity-laced tirade or Bernie Sanders spouting off every socialist whim that you can think of or Ilhan Omar calling for the destruction of Israel or Rashida Tlaib doing the same or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez coming up with some new economic theory that we can borrow ourselves to oblivion and call it profit, or Cori Bush, who's using campaign money to fund her husband, which comes right back to her. It's like we can't go a week without these people in the news. And I just asked myself, well, actually, even before I say that, and then I saw that there was an interview, I don't know if it's a late night show or what, but John Fetterman was on there. You know, the guy had a stroke in Pennsylvania who beat Mehmet Oz, and uh, he can't wear a single nice piece of clothing. He's wearing... Uh, sweatshirts and and hoodies to Congress and uh, can barely put uh, a single intelligible sentence together. And he was saying that, wow, is this the people that are governing our country? Is this the best we can get? I was like, John Fetterman, you should be looking yourself in the mirror. When I think about the people I just mentioned to you, I ask myself, is this really the best we can do? Is this the best that America can put forth? Is the Sheila Jackson Lee's Bernie Sanders, Ilhan Omar, Tlaib, AOC, Cori Bush. I mean, these people are not just radical. They're also morons. They believe in things that are not true. In fact, I like what Reagan said one time. He goes, you know, we have our liberal friends. It's, it's not that we don't like our liberal friends. It's just that they know so much about what isn't so. Really cracks me up. The, the, I just can't believe these people are making decisions for our country. Folks, for this week's News and Review, that's a wrap. When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company. Like super woke. When I grow up. When I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like. Rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted. Based on my chromosomes. When I grow up. I want to be offended by my coworkers. And walk around the office. On eggshells. And have my words policed. By HR. Words like. Grandfather. Peanut gallery. Long time no see. No can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work. So why is today's topic about crow and eating bird? I mean, you've heard the saying, right? I guess I'm going to have to eat crow now. Well, according to English Grammar Lessons, yeah, there's actually a website that addresses this. They say the official definition is this. If you have to eat crow, you're not actually consuming a bird. It means that you admit that you're wrong. And in humble, humble learning and humility that you were not right about something, either about what you thought or even about what you said or a statement that you made to others. Well, we've got a couple examples of that today, and that's why I, your host, am coming to you, the audience. So let's address the crow with the fun stuff first. My father-in-law, Joe, is an avid, obsessive sometimes, 
even obnoxious Houston Astros fan. Now, Joe, I'm kind of kidding. You're not not obnoxious most of the time. And I will say in the last couple of weeks, you have shown quite a bit of measure of humility. Of course, having your team defeated by the now world champion Texas Rangers, it will do that to you. However, on the other hand, even though he's an avid Astros fan, I am a diehard Texas Ranger fan. I remember growing up as a little kid, my dad taking me to the ballpark on bat night, watching some of my favorite players, Jim Sundberg, Mike Hargrove, Ferguson Jenkins, Charlie Huff, some of these names that only Ranger fans would know. But even as a young kid, I was acutely aware of this. We sucked. We were horrible as a baseball team. In fact, we've endured 62 years of futility and humility. And I would say, yeah, we did make it to the World Series 13 years ago, but even then we could not bring the title home when we should have. We were up and we should have and we couldn't do it. We were horrible. Well, in this this year's American League Championship Series, the ALCS, there was a lot of banter going back and forth, as you might imagine, between my father-in-law who about the Astros and me with the Rangers. Well, the Astros had just tied the series up two to two. And I proclaimed to my father-in-law, the Astros absolutely would not win another game. To be honest, I think my statement probably was more out of hope than really conviction. And it turns out that I was wrong. In fact, we made a gentleman's bet that I would eat crow if the Astros either won another game or won the series. Well, for that, I am guilty and I will eat crow. But to Joe, my beloved father-in-law, even though I eat the crow, I would like that crow marinated in the sweet sound of World Series victory, just so it would be tender enough for me to consume. Enough said. You're listening to The Grid, a podcast production of the Kingdom Patriot Group. You can find us at kingdompatriot.us. That's kingdompatriot.us. And now we're on YouTube, so be sure to hit like and follow and subscribe to keep up with the latest episodes. We'd love to hear from you. We read all your comments. Let us know if there's a subject you'd like us to address. The Grid, the intersection of faith, politics, and commerce. Mondays on your favorite podcast player. And now on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Okay, so now for the real crow eating that I really wanted to get to, not in jest. I told this audience recently I'm not a Matt Getz fan. And from what I know, and I know a lot of it's speculation, he's not the kind of person that I want representing, that you probably don't want representing, traditional Judeo-Christian biblical values. Yes, he is staunchly conservative in the way he votes, but I don't, it doesn't sound like he's a great human being. I don't like his demeanor. I don't like his methods. I don't think he walks in humility at all. I'm just not a fan. And so because of that, and I think because of the way I feel about him, I blamed him for the entire... Speaker of the House fiasco that's been going on in the U.S. House of Representatives. And this whole idea that the, him raising the issue and kicking me, basically Kevin McCarthy to the curb, although Kevin McCarthy is not a staunch conservative, probably more of a rhino, but he wasn't doing a horrible job. I just want to say that. It wasn't doing a horrible job. Then if you remember, that just kicked off a series of failed speakership bids with Steve Scalise, Jim Jordan, Tom Emmer, until we ended up with Mike Johnson as Speaker of the House. Mike who? That's right, Mike Johnson. I didn't have a clue who he was, do you? Well, let's just find out. He's a 51-year-old father of four. He's only been in Washington seven years. In fact, he's only been 
in politics for nine. He comes from Louisiana. He was elected in 2015 in a special election in Louisiana. Um, he did get his undergrad degree and his law degree from LSU. I suppose we can forgive him for that, for being part of the SEC. Of course, I just. Um, he got married in 1999. This is interesting, in a covenant marriage to his wife, Kelly. In fact, what I read was is that the kind of marriage he did, it actually makes it more difficult to get a divorce. He feels so strongly about that, which kudos to him. Uh, he and his wife have a podcast called Truth Be Told. He's been a lawyer for the Alliance Defense Fund. He staunchly opposes same-sex marriage, and he's become a man of deep faith, really all the way back to his childhood, when he says there was a miracle that he witnessed as a child when his father should not have lived, and he did. And that really propelled him into his faith journey. He's adamantly pro-life. He's always championed legislation that promotes life and restricts abortion. He holds fast to the declaration that a king nor government does not give us rights, but that those rights that we have as citizens actually come from our creator. Even as I say that, that sends chills up my spine. If you don't know exactly what I'm referencing, then go read the Declaration of Independence. There's a significant departure and mindset in that document from current culture. And when you understand that our founding fathers truly believe that our humanity, our individual rights, they come from God, not man and not king. Therefore, man is in no position and in no authority to claim to grant or restrict those rights apart from what we're allowed or given through God's word. He's also a climate science skeptic. He's currently serving his second term as vice chair of the House Republican Conference. He also serves on the House Judiciary Committee, as well as the House Arms Service Committee. He became part of Trump's inner circle pretty quickly, I might add, which also says something. He also appears to be a very strong believer. And in 2020, he voted against certifying the election, which is how he got his label or moniker as an election denier. Oh, and in 2016, he also signed the term limits pledge to vote for the House term limits amendment of three terms, basically saying that if we can get this floor, I'm voting for it, that anybody who's elected the House of Representatives can only serve three terms. Love it. By all measures, a conservative among conservatives, a man of faith, a quiet demeanor, the kind of person that you don't really pay attention to, you don't really notice until one day you wake up and they're Speaker of the House. Now, all of this is wonderful, but it was this that totally opened my eyes and ears in a way that was profound, I guess I should say. And it happened to be an interview. I think it was with CNBC. I'm not totally sure on that. But the conversation was around worldview. And this is what he said. He said, I am a Bible-believing Christian. Someone asked me today in the media, they said, it's curious. People are curious. What does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun? I said, well, go pick up the Bible off your shelf and read it. That's my worldview. Wow. And everything I'm hearing since then absolutely supports this. Now, as I'm reading this, I realized it actually wasn't CNBC. Uh, he was apparently being interviewed by Sean Hannity. That ought to send chill up your spines as well. That is a strong biblical answer. So let's even continue. The liberal attack dogs have come out and Jen Psaki in all her condescension, has labeled him as an extremist, a fundamental, or excuse me, a fundamentalist person of faith. Others saying he's a Christian nationalist and that he is actually, and his kind are a greater threat to our country than Hamas and militant Islam. So folks, I often think that you can judge the credibility of a person, not so much by 
their support and what they say, but more by the frequency, intensity, and nastiness of the attacks and where those attacks come from against a person. Of the Jen Pasakis of the world, when they're going after somebody like him, then likely he is all right. Which brings me back to the noonday barbecue conversation. I am still not happy with Matt Gates, And I was pretty much convinced that he had destroyed our chances in the 2024 election, just like that in a blink of an eye. Now, I'm not so sure. I told this audience several podcasts ago that this was a fiasco. It was a disaster. And the entire speakership process was in a complete free fall. Actually, it was a free for all as well. For that, I'm telling you now, I owe everyone an apology. I was wrong and I have to eat crow. But unlike most crow eating situations, I am so glad that I was wrong. So as we look at this from like a political perspective, um, I'm reminded of this. It, it just, it's like a roller coaster ride. The Republicans ripped defeat from the jaws of victory. Then they embraced defeat. And now victory is once again at hand. I don't know about you. I'm exhausted by this. I really, really am. However, I do think Mike Johnson is going to bring stability to the House. I think he's the right man for the job. And now that I know more about him, he got unanimous Republican support that no one else could get. None of the other candidates could get. That's also very telling. But even more so, this guy is, he's no lightweight. He's no intellectual lightweight. I want you to, to hear me for a second on something that he did early on in his speakership. In this brilliant move, he was addressing the issue for aid for Israel. And I think if you may remember that the Democrats, the Biden, they want all this and Ukraine and everything all tied together. That's what Joe Biden talked about in his address to the public. But primarily, they want to send aid to Ukraine, not to Israel. So what he did was, what Mike Johnson did is he split this out. And he said, you know what? We're going to give almost $15 billion of aid directly to Israel. We're going to handle that in a single bill. That in itself was brilliant. But that paled in comparison to the details of it. You know how he's going to pay for this? He's actually making it budget neutral. $15 billion and he's making it budget neutral. How? Because he said in order to pay for the $15 billion for Israel, we're going to remove $15 billion for the funding, the additional funding for the IRS that got passed in the Inflation Reduction Act, aka the Inflation Increasing Act. Folks, that's brilliant. In the midst of against, against this war on terrorism and fighting these militant terrorists, he's literally forcing, Mike John is literally forcing the Democrats to either one, vote for the aid directly to Israel, which is the right thing, or have them have to vote against it and defend this that I thought it was more important to give extra money to the Internal Revenue Service rather than support Israel in their fight against terrorism. You know what? If you want to vote against that package, good luck with that argument. We'll see what the final bill says, but that will not go well for Democrats if that's truly what they, they vote for. From a commerce perspective, Johnson will be instrumental in negotiating a spending plan in government. You know, one, to avoid the government shutdown. Now, I know that government shutdowns are not necessarily a bad thing, because it's a it, sometimes the government really does need to be shut down, but politically speaking, it is a it is a hot potato right now. So we we need to be crafty and we need to be wise about how we go about that. But number two is to start reining in spending. I think he's going to push the envelope on this. We're going to have to see, but I do have high hopes for this speaker. But from a faith perspective, and I think this is probably the most important for for me is I probably needed a double dose of crow. 
And it's not because I think Johnson is the second coming of Christ. I'm not propping him up. I'm not saying that. I don't know the man personally. I just like what I see so far. No, I need to eat crow because I got caught up in the arguments, in the chaos, in the frustration of the natural. And instead, I took my eye off the ball and taking my eye off the supernatural truth that our affairs are not so simpleton and so minute that God isn't watching and still in control. Regardless of how all this turns out, God is in control. And I felt like that to me, that was definitely a dose of humility, uh, really a humble pie, I would say, to remind me of that. I really need to be reminded that to quit looking at these issues through the natural eye and remember much of what's happening is already predicted in the Bible and that God is in control and he will not be mocked. Man, that was a good reminder. However, humble pie is for tomorrow. For today, it's a second helping of crow. Won't you join me at the dinner table? As we wrap up today, just a special thanks again to our sponsor, Red Balloon. Andrew, we love what you're doing and we love your commercial. Absolutely hilarious. Folks, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Grid. Be sure to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. Also, make sure you tell your friends, your family, your neighbors about this podcast, The Grid. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and pretty much any other platform that you have. Give us a five-star rating so that we can broaden our reach. And by the way, if you're only listening today, we are on video now, and you can watch this podcast on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe there as well and follow us. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Coleman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot.